This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by The Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And Happy New Year. Have you started to accomplish those New Year resolutions for your home? If not, pick up the phone. We'll help you take that all-important first step at one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. If not, let's talk about some projects that maybe you'd like to get done in the coming months. Maybe you're thinking ahead to spring. Now you pretty much at this point have probably had enough of winter, and maybe you want to think about some warm weather stuff. Let's talk about how to get the research done now so you can get it done quickly and easily in the spring. Eight 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 money pit. Hey, coming up on today's program is your kitchen backsplash falling behind the times. We've got some tips on backsplash designs and materials that are up and coming. They're also affordable and fun. And they might still struggle with social media, but don't underestimate those baby boomers. We're going to share with you some surprise additions that they're making to their homes. And here's an idea that we can all toast to, DIY wine cellars. We've got tips for creating one in your space. And we've got answers to your home improvement questions, big and small. So let's get to it. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Catherine in Wisconsin is on the line with a soundproofing issue. Tell us what's going on. I live in a condo with a basement, and there's an I-beam that runs through the basement. And when I'm in the basement, I can hear my neighbors from two uh, houses down talking in their living room because their voices travel down the I-beam. Wow. So I was crazy. <laughs> so I was interested in covering the I-beam somehow uh, to reduce the noise, but I wasn't sure what the best way to do that would be. Well, there's a couple things you can do. First of all, can you can you frame in the the I beam so that it's like has something that we can attach a drywall to? Yeah, yeah, I could. I just wasn't sure what to what to do that with, or okay. if that would, so would help. So once you yeah, once you frame it in, there's a product called Quiet Rock, and it's okay. a soundproofing drywall. It's sold at Lowe's. It's pretty expensive. I mean, regular drywall's five bucks a sheet. Quiet Rock's about forty bucks a sheet. So it's pretty expensive, yeah, but, but you don't need a lot. If she can hear them, they can hear her. Yeah, but you don't need a lot. You know, you don't need a lot. So, so if you can frame in that beam, and you're sure that's where it's coming from, uh, you may want to think about uh, using Quiet Rocks to actually qu- uh, cover the I beam, and, and that should do the trick. Oh, really? So I wouldn't need to put uh, additional insulation between... No, insulation uh, is insulation doesn't really work as a soundproofing okay. material. It's kind okay. of a misnomer to think that insulation works on a wall. It's cheap, but it really doesn't do much. The quiet rock absorbs the vibration of the sound, and I think that's what you need to do. Okay, great. And the quiet rock is, uh, is just spelled like it sounds? Yep, Q-U-I-E-T rock. If you go to 
uh, Lowe's.com. You can find it right there. And, and um, I, w- I was able to find it. I needed it for a project. I was able to find it right in my local Lowe's. Thank you. Bye. Corey in Kentucky, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Uh, yeah, I had a question about the uh, house that I was looking at buying. And okay. uh, it's got a major problem with the second floor. It sags probably about six to eight inches. It it looks literally like a bowl on the second floor. Wow. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Like it's really noticeable. And uh, the house was built during the Civil War, so it's an extremely old house, and it's an mm. old farmhouse. Okay. And uh, just wondering how extensive a repair would that be? They, the structural engineers said it's fine, but yeah, it's, it's it's somewhere between nothing and tearing the house down. Does that pretty yeah. much sum it up for you? It's, it's really hard to Doesn't tell. Feel better? Yeah, until until yeah. you really get into it. A couple of things that you could do. First of all, Corey, have you had a professional home inspector or an engineer look at the house? Uh, yeah, I'm actually in the military, and I had it, the veterans uh, Veterans Affairs actually had an inspector go out and look at it. And the structural engineer that inspected it said that it, it's structurally sound because it was built with greenwood, but it shrank. And okay. he said it's sound, but you know, if I ever wanted to resell the house, I'd have to you know make it better in order to be able to get what I paid for out of it. With all due respect to the military and the Veterans Affairs and the guy they sent out, I sincerely doubt he was a structural engineer. You may have, you may be calling him that, but it would be unlikely that they would send out such a professional. They probably sent out a housing inspector who inspects everything from homes that people are buying and need loans on to uh, you know rentals. I would strongly underline, strongly recommend that you at least have a professional home inspector look at this uh, these are guys that look at homes every day, and they really know how to sort the wheat from the chaff and figure out whether it's a major problem or a minor problem. And if you're really seriously interested about this place, the step above that is to consult with a structural engineer. Now, with a problem like this, if you're going to fix it, and it sounds like you are, it's very important you do it the right way, and that is that you work with an architect or an engineer to inspect the property, actually spec out the exact repair that needs to be done, and then reinspect it after it's completed and give you a letter to that effect. So then now you, you sort of have a pedigree uh, or proof that the problem's identified, evaluated, and correctly repaired, and you have the word of a professional, a licensed professional, that's certifying that. This takes you out of the responsibility loop. You understand what I mean? It's, if you just had a slopey floor and you say, well, I fixed it, you know, that doesn't really mean as much as whether or not you had pros look at it uh, explain exactly how it should be fixed, and then certify that it was done correctly. So if you're real serious about this, I would get another expert to look at it and look at this specific problem. It will be well worth the investment. Okay, yeah, because the house is pretty cheap, and I could definitely resell it for higher value. So I was really looking into it. It's five acres of land and everything like that. So uh, I was really wanting to get the house, but I didn't know if it was going to you know, cost me way more to fix the house than it was to buy Yeah, the and house. it's a, it's a definitely a, a, a cost-benefit analysis that has to be done. I would definitely recommend that you spend uh, you know, $300, $350 or whatever it costs to get an inspection done. Um, if you go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors, it's ASHI, A-S-H-I dot org. There's a zip code locator. You will find ASHI certified members in your area. I would use that as the first list to call and then work through that list and have a conversation with the inspectors until you find one that you really feel knows what he or she is doing and you're comfortable and then hire that person to evaluate the house. Okay, that sounds great. All right, Corey, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. All right, thank you. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. 
Now you can call in your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, they might catch splashed food, but they can make big splashes too. We'll have tips on the latest in kitchen backsplash trends when the Money Pit continues after this. You live in a Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And hey, if you are shopping for windows now, you might have noticed a maze of confusing window rating labels. Well, we've taken the time to decode those window rating label systems. And you can too. Check out the story on our homepage right now at moneypit.com. Deborah and George is online with a laminate question. What can we do for you? I have some laminate floor coverings that unfortunately some nail polish was spilled onto. It's dried. It's clear. But how can I get it up? Because you can see it at an angle that I'd really like for it to be gone. Was there a story behind that accident? Yeah, my grandson picked up a bag and dropped it. (laughs) Bless his heart. Have you tried nail polish remover? I was afraid to try it. You know what? I have enough confidence in your laminate that I think that's probably okay. But here's what I would do. I would not, like, soak it. I would put a little bit on a cotton ball or a little bit on a paper towel and then just work at it a little bit at a time. Okay. But I bet you that's probably the quickest way. That's acetone. And that's the quickest way probably to get that off of the floor. Okay. Well, I didn't know if the non-acetone nail polish might work. Even better. I don't. I was afraid to try anything. Yeah. Well, listen. If you got a concern about it, what you could do is 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 go to an area of the floor that's not so visible, like maybe in a closet or underneath the uh, uh, the kickboard or a piece of furniture, and just try a little bit right there. I suspect it won't have any effect on it because that stuff's pretty tough. Well, great. That's wonderful. That's the best news I've had. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Joe in Rhode Island. What's going on at your Money Pit? I've got a uh, quiet side uh, boiler. Uh, tank was water tank and boiler, but hot water. Recently, we've been having some issues. It's throwing uh, some codes, and we've called a few different plumbers, and everyone seems to be reluctant to work on it because the company got bought up by Samsung, and it takes anywhere from one day to 30 days to get a part for it. 
So all these plumbers that we're having, uh, we've been calling bigger companies, uh, local contractors, and they, like I said, they're all reluctant to work on it. We're in the ideas of purchasing a new one, but we want to stay within the same type of unit, but we're also afraid of buying another unit like that and then have the company bought out or sold, and we're kind of stuck in the same position that we are now. The unit's about four years old. It's got another year for warranty. Well, I mean, with this warranty, what do you do if you have to file a warranty claim? Is there a customer service number for it or something of that nature? Yes. Yeah, there is a recall on it, too. I guess there are a couple of fuses that have to be replaced on it. This is all stuff. These are all things that have been brought to my attention, like, within the past two weeks. Well, have you taken it upon yourself to try to contact the company directly and and, um, and see how they might process a, a warranty claim if it's not working well? Correct. I did, and I'm waiting for a call back from them. They're in California, and uh, we're in Little Roadie, <laughs> so time yeah. differences and things like that. I did leave them a couple of voicemails. Well, I would start with that, and they may they may in fact have uh, contractors in the area that are that are willing to do this this sort of work. I don't think this is indicative of a problem with the with the appliance with all of the appliances, uh, all of the tankless water heater appliances. They've been around now very popular for over 10 years and you know they work very very well there's a couple of things that commonly go wrong with them and and the first one is usually the plumber that installs them because they need a bigger gas line and often they don't put the right size gas line in and that causes the water heater to underperform and then if you have hard water because um, sort of the intestines of this thing um, have a long circuitous route that the water has to follow if it's if you have a hard water problem those can get clogged up. But other than that, they've been pretty darn reliable. So I would put some effort into seeing if you can make a claim under this warranty, Joe. And if you can't, you decide to go with a new one. I think if you went with a Renai or a Ream or another name brand like that, I don't think you're going to have this problem again. All right. Well, I think you have a plan now, Joe. So good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, kitchen backsplashes have been popular for a few years now, but some very unexpected materials and looks are putting them front and center. Yeah, you know, like glass. Now, a glass backsplash can come in countless colors, shapes, and designs, and they look as classic as they do trendy. Now, glass options are endless. You can go with those square tiles in expected colors or a full slab of glass that's painted one shade. And if you can believe it, vinyl wallpaper backsplashes are also making a comeback, and for a lot of good reasons. I mean, vinyl's inexpensive, it's easy to install, Tall and clean, and it comes in a variety of colors, patterns, and textures, which makes it extra cool for the DIY crowd. Plus, if you get tired of it, it's easy to change it out. And if you like your food natural, you might like a natural backsplash, too. You know, everything from upcycled pallets to indigenous woods, they're making appearances above kitchen counters as well. And customers with an eye for rustic design might prefer a natural wood plank look. Or for a shabby chic look, why not try beadboard in white or even a soft pastel? Now, think about white on white subway tile. That's been hot for a while, but you can give that look a twist by using colored grout. It'll really make those tiles pop out. Gray grout, for example, on white tile is a sleek choice. But for an even trendier look, you can fill that space between the white tiles with a pop of color, anything from tangerine to electric blue. Mm-hmm. And spray on chocolate paint that can give your backsplash a whole new function and lets you add and erase new designs as often as you like or you can take a less common approach to stone backsplashes with river rock or pebble tiles hey maybe even ones you collect yourself but whether you go monochromatic or combine pebbles with wood and tile this is one look you won't forget 888-666-3974 hey is a kitchen update on your to-do list give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT Brian in Texas, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? 
Hi, uh, we have a house that's about a year and a half old, and it has a, in the upstairs has a game room, playroom area, you know? Mm-hmm. And got a two-year-old and a six-year-old, and so I'm trying and to think of, of stuff. trying to build, yeah, <laughs> yeah, lots of toys, you know, so I'm trying to think of like a seating area, bench, storage area, you know, suggestions, ideas. I mean, you're on the right track. I've done um, a ton of makeovers on $100 makeover with a similar situation where small kids, lots of stuff, multifunction rooms, you want it to look good, you want it to be practical, but you want to have a, you know, a place for everything and everything in its place. And, you know, if you're a handy guy, you can easily make a storage bench and it could be something as simple as, you know, a framed out box with one of those slowly closing hinged tops to protect the kitty's fingers, Um, you know, either painting it or wrapping it in fabric, padding the top and wrapping just the top, veneering the bottom. I mean, it depends on your skill level. And there are ways to, you know, even modify existing pieces that you might have. You know, maybe there is a bench or a piece of inexpensive furniture that you can find at one of those stores where you sort of put things together yourself and you can add baskets underneath. You know, it depends on what your skill set is and what kind of look you want for that space. I saw on some show, like, leaving it open, like using, like, two-by-fours or two-by-sixes, or would you suggest enclosing it? I feel like leaving things open only from my experience with my own son and people who I see how they live. Um, If it's closed up, it tends to be neater. And you can frame something, you know, build the box out of two by fours, clad it with MDF, dress it up a little bit with like one by three, make it almost look like it's paneled or something. You know, give it some raised areas and recessed areas if you even want to go that far. You know, up to you. You can add in a baseboard to just sort of dress up the bottom. Paint that. Everything looks beautiful in glossy white or glossy black or a great chocolate brown. And then on the top, same thing, MDF top. You want to wrap it with some batting, you know, put some foam, wrap that in batting, wrap it with fabric, staple to the underside. And the key is the hinge. You have to get that hinge that slowly, slowly, slowly goes down, you know, because the kids are always going to get their hands and everything. Now, we have a corner area, so should I just make it straight or should I make it like an L shape or what? I think an L shape is really practical. And what you can do is on the ends, on both ends or just one, you can sort of then build out an additional area that maybe has some open shelving on both ends to put some books. Awesome. Looks like I got a project to get started. (laughs) Sounds like you do. It's a good one. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Eric in Alaska is on the line with an insulation question. Tell us about it. I have a uh, call space. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what the best way to keep the temperature a bit warmer than it is down there and to keep my floors in the home from getting so cold. I've got um, hardwood ceramic tile floors. Okay. And my uh, all of my plumbing is in the crawl space. My pressure tank is down there. So I need to keep the temperature somewhat warm down there so I don't freeze my pipes up. Okay, how much insulation do you have in the floor 
uh, above the crawl space area now. Is it completely none. filled? Oh, you have none. Well, see, now there would be a good place to start, mm-hmm. Eric. And that's going to make a huge difference. So what you want to do there is if you have, uh, let's just say your, your floor joists are two by tens, then you're going to use 10 inches of insulation. You want to fill up that entire cavity with insulation. You can use unfaced fiberglass bats. The first place you insulate is the box joist. That's around the outside perimeter. And then you right. work your way in to the floor joist. You can use insulation hangers to hold it in place. And that's going to make an enormous difference warming up that floor. You may find that the crawl space becomes a bit warmer as a result of that, or you may find it becomes colder because now the heat from upstairs is not getting down there. Is there a concern of water pipes or anything like that freezing? Yeah, that's what my concern is. If I insulate the floor there, you know, my pressure tank and all of my plumbing fixtures and drains are all down there. You don't have to worry about the drains freezing, okay? They're never going to hold enough water to freeze and break. As far as the plumbing pipes are concerned, if you do have pipes that are below the insulation, if they're in the insulation, you don't have to worry about it. If they're below the insulation, then you can insulate those themselves with uh, insulation sleeves that just fit around them and taped off. So insulate the pipes, insulate the floor joists, and I think you're going to find it's a lot more comfortable as a result. Still ahead, harnessing wind's energy can save you big if you can afford the upfront costs. So are wind generators for you? We'll share that and more when we come back. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on? Again, starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your do-it-yourself dilemma at one 888 Pit. Lori in Illinois is on the line with a mold question. My husband and I think that there possibly might be some mold in our drywall or insulation in our home, and we wondered the best way to check for that. We don't have any airflow in our home, though. What makes you think you have mold? Do you physically see it? Well, uh, we have an underground, part of our home is underground, and there's a lot of moisture, it seems like, in the air. We've seen some mold on some items in our home, mm-hmm. and um, we have some cold-like symptoms from time to time that we think might be caused from it. It's like allergies, you're saying? Yes. So it's more of the effects of it that you're concerned about? Correct. And this is in the basement? Yes, it's in the part of the home that's underground. And I had read online that some of those mold test kits are unreliable that you buy in Mm -hmm. a store, or mold inspections can be very costly. Uh, I just didn't know the best choice there. 
Well, the truth is that mold pretty much exists in every home, and so we can always find mold. The question is whether or not this is causing a problem in your house. What kind of uh, floor do you have in that basement, Lori? It's cement, and then there's carpet over that. That's a huge mold trap right there. If you were to get rid of that, you would notice. I mean, even if there's moisture management in a basement, we never recommend putting a carpet down on, you know, a concrete slab in a basement area just because concrete's hydroscopic. It pulls the moisture from the ground that that gets into, you know, the carpet pad, the carpet itself. And then the dust gets in there and you've got a breeding ground for mold. So if you were to get rid of that, put down laminate or tile, use some area rugs, you're instantly going to notice a better respiratory situation, I think. Well, exactly. Plus, carpet is a filter material, so that carpet can trap dust, dust mites, and all sorts of other allergens. So there could be other things, Lori, here that are causing the the breathing issues. So let's just give you some general clean air advice. First of all, as Leslie said, the carpet's not a good idea. Secondly, you want to make sure that your basement remains as dry as possible. And the way you do that is by making sure the gutter system is clean, free-flowing, and downspouts discharging well away from the house itself. Mm -hmm. Secondly, we may want to add some sort of a filtration system. Now, do you have forced air into that basement space? We do not. We do have a dehumidifier that we run, uh, and we have some ceiling fans, but not in every room or not in every area. So is it a hot water heated house? Uh, No, it's electric. It's all electric. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what we would really like to see is some sort of a filtration system in there, a good quality portable um, air filter, electronic air cleaner, perhaps, that will pull the dust and dust mites and anything else that is a, an allergen uh, basis uh, out of that basement space. So a portable air cleaner could be a good addition. But I suspect from everything that you've told us, reducing dampness and removing the carpet will make that space a lot more comfortable. Excellent. Thank you so much. That gives me some great ideas. All right. Well, good luck with that project, Lori, and thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Thank you. All right, coming up, empty nests are getting some new, shiny, and high-tech touches. Find out what retirees and baby boomers are adding to their homes when the Money Pit continues. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. 
Ocketrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any Aquatrue purifier. Just go to Aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any Aquatrue water purifier when you go to Aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, radiant heat in your floors sounds like a pretty great idea this time of year. But is it a realistic option for your home? Learn what to ask before even thinking about adding it on our homepage right now at moneypit.com. Mike in Illinois is on the line. How can we help you today? I have a uh, drywall through the center of my house is separating at the seams. Okay. Um, and it's straight through the center of the house, down the hallway, through the center of the house, and I'm not sure if it's due to moisture in the attic, uh, drying out and, ex- and expanding, or if it's the floor and the house moving. Mike, how old is your house? I'd say 20 years old. Okay. And is this relatively new, or has it been around for a while? Um, it's been there uh, shortly after I moved in. Oh, so it's been there like 20 years. Yeah, I think it's probably shrinkage. You know, when a house is first built, the lumber is very wet, and over the first couple of heating seasons, it tends to shrink a lot, and you'll get a lot of movement. Now, over the years, you may have tried to patch it, and then you just find that it it opens up again. That's very typical. What you want to do to patch it is you need to sand it down where where it's cracking. You need to use new drywall tape on top of that. You can use the perforated tape. It's easier to work with in terms of the spackle because you don't have to worry about air bubbles behind the paper tape. Use the perforated tape, put about three layers of spackle on there, sand in between, prime paint, you should be good to go. Okay, um, if I have bathroom vents that are, duct- that are venting out into the attic, would that cause it? Or would that no, I, I don't I... think. Well, first of all, I don't think it's caused that, but that that in of itself is a problem. You shouldn't be ducting bathroom exhaust fans into an attic. They should continue through the attic to the exterior. And the reason for that, you're in the Chicago area, correct? Pretty cold there, and if you get that insulation damp, it's not going to be very effective. Okay, so so with it venting in there, that's decreasing my R value, my insulation too. Absolutely. It is. R value is rated at zero percent moisture. So when you add moisture to it, it goes down dramatically. So the more moisture in the attic, uh, the less effective the insulation becomes. Okay, to fix that, would it be uh, would it be all right to add insulation on top of that after I fix that problem? Yeah, you can add more insulation, but you have to duct from the exhaust fan out of the attic. So you can do that by going like sort of through the gable wall or up through a roof vent with a proper termination on the end of it so no water gets in there. And just get that warm, moist air out. Don't leave it in the attic. Okay, and I've done some research on the Internet. Um, I got two bathroom fans. To run them into one, they said to find a, a uh, Y or a vent that'll flip one side to the other. So don't backdraft into other into the other bathroom. I cannot find that. Well, I don't think you really need that because, for example, if you run it to the gable wall and you have a, a typical uh, bath duct terminating type of a hood on it, that's got a spring on it that stays shut. So it's only going to open when the air is blown out. You know, there's another way to do this, and that is to have a remote bath fan where you actually have the, the motor part that's up in the attic space and the ducts just connect uh, to the ceiling of the bathrooms. 
But, you know, that's, that's a nice system. It's a quiet system, but it's much more expensive to do. You see that a lot in hotels. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Well, every new chapter of life brings new priorities, and nowhere is that truer than the design of your home. And nowhere is it more obvious than with America's biggest demographic, baby boomers. Now, roughly 10,000 baby boomers, the Americans born between 1946 and 1964, become eligible for retirement every single day. And as they step away from full-time careers, many are taking steps towards updating their homes. Now, boomers are driving a trend towards aging in place features, grab bars, toilet toilets, and pull-out drawers and shelves are becoming pretty commonplace as more and more Americans try to stay in their homes for as long as possible. And boomers are also going for open layout homes and better transitions between the indoors and outdoors. So think breezeways and patios and porches. And while mom or granddad still might struggle with video chatting, don't underestimate their technical know-how. A growing number are adding convenience, value, and safety with smart home technology that makes aging easier. Smart home features can also be automated to remember things that older homeowners might forget, like closing windows and turning off lights. So no matter how you look at it, boomers are still driving lots of style and innovation in our homes. 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's next? Kelly in South Dakota's on the line and needs help with a cleaning question. Tell us what's going on. Hi. Um, we have a stain on our breezeway from there. It's like an oil stain. And we just are having a lot of trouble getting that up. Do you have, like, a special formula? Where's the floor, and why do you need to get the oil stain on the cement? Is it in the the garage or where? No, it's in our breezeway that we have in between the... um, It's an enclosed breezeway. It's kind of decorated, and, you know, we use it. I see. So it's a finished space, yeah. Well, I mean, what I, what I would do is I would consider painting that cement floor. I would use an epoxy paint. I would use a two-part epoxy paint, which you mix up and has a, a, a chemical cure. There's going to be a degreaser that's part of the process that preps the surface. And so you clean it with a degreaser first. And I mean, mm-hmm. I assume we're talking about, you know, an old stain here, nothing that's like soppy and oily. But you hit it with the degreaser no, first, no. let it dry, and then you use the epoxy paint, and uh, you'll get a nice, clean finish. And you'll find that it's going to be a lot easier to sweep and, and, and keep nice and tidy, too, with the epoxy paint. Not terribly expensive, not complicated, and it will clearly solve the issue. Will it be slippery if it gets wet? No, absolutely not. Okay. Well, that's All right. great. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 888- Money Pit. Heading out to Massachusetts where Bob needs some help putting a floor down in the attic. Tell us what you're working on. Uh, it's a very large attic and it's, um, I've got uh, uncovered floor rafters and I've got 35 years of stuff accumulated in that attic that I want to get rid of. All right. The problem is that the rafters are open and I want to know what to do to cover the rafters. Okay. So first of all, if you're, if you're, when you say rafters, I think you mean the, the floor joists when you go up in the attic and you look down at the floor. Is that what you're talking about? That is absolutely right. Okay. Yes. So those are the ceiling joists that are holding up your, your ceiling below and, and the floor joists. If you, if you are up in the attic, you can call it that as well. Now, um, you have insulation in those uh, joists right now, correct? That is correct. And it's 35 years old, so it's, and you've had a lot of storage, so it's probably sagged and compressed and, and perhaps pressed down. Is that, is that fair to say? That is also correct. 
He's like, Tom, are you in my attic? <laughs> setting it up here. Yeah. Here's what I do. First of all, get rid of all the storage. You know, go ahead and do that big purge. And it's a big project. I mean, I had to do this because we, we um, sprayed isoning foam insulation in my house. And I got to tell you, my attic, and I live in a family house. That attic literally hadn't been emptied in generations. <laughs> so when we got that attic emptied, my first floor looked like an episode of Hoarders. I mean, we had stuff everywhere because those attics are big and they held a lot of stuff. But it was a good opportunity to, to purge it out and get rid of the stuff you don't want. But now that you've done that, what I would do is, if you want to go back with a fiberglass insulation, I would take out the old insulation. If it's been in there that long, it's probably compressed and not really doing its job. And I would fill in that floor joist all the way to the top with unfaced fiberglass insulation. Now, even if you do that, chances are, depending on the depth of those joists, you're probably not going to get more than 8 or 10 inches, which honestly is not enough insulation to really do a good job in a cold area like where you live. You really need 15 to 20 inches of insulation. So if you do a really good job with getting rid of all of that storage that now you need less storage space, what I would tell you to do is to double up the insulation uh, towards the outside walls and sort of carve out an area close to the opening where you could reserve that for insulation and put the flooring only there. So just put the flooring and have 8 inches or 10 inches of insulation underneath it. But then in the rest of the attic, you want to double up the insulation uh, putting insulation perpendicular to the floor joist and inside of the floor joist at the same time. And that would uh, really build it up. And I got to tell you, if you spend the amount of about one month's cold weather heating bill on insulation, you will see a dramatic savings for every month thereafter. Good. Well, I think I got it now to sound like an expert. Now let's see if I can work like an expert. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, here's an idea we can toast to, an at-home wine cellar at a DIY price. We're going to share some tips for creating your own wine storage chamber from existing space when we return. You live in a body pit. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, you might be tempted to spend it under a warm blanket, but January is the perfect month for fixing indoor problems that plague many homes. Learn what they are and how to fix them with January Home Improvement Weekend Projects. That list is on our homepage right now at moneypit.com. All right. And while you're online, you can post your question in the community section. And Stacy writes, I hear a lot of pros and cons to wind generators. What's the truth? Is there a wind generator that works and pays for itself over time without costing thousands of dollars? Well, Stacy, the answer is it depends. And that's because it really depends on a lot. I mean, it depends on where you live and how much wind you have in that area. It depends not only on the initial cost, but on also what rebates might be available from state or local governments. And even if the answers to the first two questions are positive, it also depends on whether the local government will allow you to have a wind generator on your property without triggering any crazy zoning variances that can cost thousands to resolve. Now, all that said, I've seen wind generators that cost less than ten grand and can be easily added to virtually any roof structure. But I would encourage you that before you consider doing something as sort of far out as adding a wind generator, that you make sure all of the energy saving basics are covered at your home. 
For example, do you have 15 to 20 inches of insulation in your attic? If you don't, that ought to be your first project. Let's do the little things that add up big before we choose a big thing that might not add up at all. Mm -hmm. And wind generators are fairly large, Stacey. I mean, Tom's right. You really have to make sure that you're doing all of the more cost-effective things that really can add up and make a huge difference. So hopefully you'll get on that and have a much, much warmer and cost-effective winter. Well, it's a scene you've seen in the movies, a homeowner impressing friends with a tour of their very own wine cellar. Well, wine cellars are no longer just for a chosen few. More and more people are converting at-home spaces into functional ambient storage for the reds, whites, bubblies, and blends. It's an idea that goes down easy, and Leslie's got tips for doing it in your space in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, who doesn't want a wine cellar, guys? Well, now any space in your home can actually be converted into a wine cellar, but an unfinished basement is best for a few reasons. First of all, if you want to properly preserve your wine, your storage space should not be in direct sunlight. Unfinished basements also have that built-in climate control. You know, they're going to keep the space cool. It's got damp air in, outside air out. The ideal temperature for wine is around 57 degrees Fahrenheit with 55 to 60% humidity and temperatures that are easy to achieve in most underground spaces. So that's a great spot to start. Now, you want to create a vapor barrier for the room with plastic sheeting and then spray foam insulation, you know, either or. Next, think about adding storage for your collection. You want to consider a wine rack that's made of maybe mahogany because that's going to thrive in cool, damp environments and it's not going to warp. You might even want to incorporate a tasting area with a countertop or tables and chairs. It'll ensure that you do more than just walk in, grab a bottle and leave. And mahogany is really going to be the best choice for your furniture as well. And finally, you're going to need some light to see your way around, but also to add that perfect wine cellar ambiance. Now, LED or incandescent lighting are ideal because neither emits additional heat, and stylish recessed cans can actually help you shed light literally on your most prized vintages and labels, and then go ahead and fill up your wine cellar and enjoy. You'll be like, you know, hosting the parties left and right on your block. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next time on the program, nothing says upscale kitchen more than a pro-style range. But can your home handle one of these brawny beauties? What you need to know about commercial ranges is coming up on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.